Live Sound Bootcamp, brought to you by Rational Acoustics, developer of Smart, the industry's leading sound system measurement and optimization platform. Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp. I'm Joe Santarpia with the homies, Ryan John, Brennan Draper. What's going on? hey Living the dream, man. That's right. That's right. Today we're talking about, uh, well, we're taking a little step outside of our uh, little line check season here. Uh, we're going to do something different today. And the best part about it is Brendan and I don't know what it is. Ryan's going to spring something on us. So Yeah, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of being a dick today. I'm just like, you know what, guys? I want to talk about something different. They're like, oh, what is it? And I'm like, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've agreed because we love punishment and, um, and abuse. So... Uh, you know? This is okay. This is the episode where you don't get a stage plot or an input list. You're just walking in blind. You're walking to in the blind. Venue. Yeah. 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 So, so the blind thing you guys are walking into. Oh boy. Group busing. Group busing oh. in your line check. Oh, in a line yeah. check. Okay. Please tell me. Tell me if if that is a thing you have not looked at when you're doing your line check. Are you not routing things through groups? Yeah, I, I am for sure. Mm, see, so this is the thing we kind of left out of this line check, right? Mm. You're you're kind of output routing. Just in general, I guess. I don't know. Right. Right. Okay. So, so, you know, since, since we're going through the line check, we've already gone through whatever drums, bass, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was listening through and editing an episode yesterday and I realized that, um, you know, we kind of touch on it a little bit, but we don't actually talk about when you address this and how you address it. Right. So we talked about, you know, kick microphones and things like that. But like, I always put the kicks through a group. And sometimes there's even a drum group that that feeds into and things like that. So I really wanted to jump into uh, when you put these into, you know, your workflow. And and do you even do you do it before you even start the line check? You know what I mean? Or do you do it once you're starting to go through it and these things start to make sense? Like, what's where are you guys at with that? I mean, my, my answer is hopefully I do it before I start. And that yeah. I have a good idea of what I want to do because right. I don't, I don't know. I don't like throwing it in, in the oh. middle. He doesn't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to crack me up so much. Uh-huh. It's funny. It's because it's funny when my dog disagrees with you or agrees with you. <laughs> He's like, you fucking idiot. Uh, See, you agreed with that one. <laughs> Damn. Um, I, I, you don't like throwing well, it in the middle. I don't like doing it in the middle because then, like, it, it you know, it depends on what's hap- what if something else is going wrong down the line and you run out of time. Like, I don't know, you're troubleshooting a bunch of stuff and then you're like, oh shit, I want to put my groups, but sound checks ending. And, you know, if you have it done at first, then you know that everything's, you know that the routing's working. I especially don't want to be in the position where I'm at the end of my sound check and I'm like, I should throw the drums in a group right now. And I, <laughs> yeah, now, <laughs> and now and, I should, it could theoretically like really affect the sound. Yeah. yeah. Or like just not route correctly or I fuck it up <laughs> or like. You know, if it's an analog desk, the patching in the back for the inserts or something like that is not right. I don't know. Yeah, it's have, off by one. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. You only get the left side. Um, Joe, are you kind of the same? Like, I, where, where do you jump into these things? So, like, you know, it, it depends on where what the situation is. Like, ideally, I kind of have an idea what's going on before I start line check. And, 
you know, maybe I've had a chance to like put my show file together. You know, if, if it's like a band I'm touring with or something like that, or someone I, kn- I know what the input list is and I'm able to like build a show file, it happens there that like when I'm building a show file. Sometimes you're building a show file during line check. Um, so for that, I mean, you know, I just kind of have with my like stock show file or whatever, or like whatever I'm just walking in there with to like do a band I've never worked with before. Mm-hmm. I'll have some groups set up already, like dedicated to like the band's instruments, like a drum group, a bass group, a guitar group, a key group, a background vocal group, a lead vocal group, a uh, <laughs> an effects vocal you, group. You kind of just keep a bunch of them there and then you use them as necessary. Exactly. Like rename as necessary kind of thing. Um, yeah. And you know, we can get into this later, but, and I know I talked to you, I sent you a text about this, Ryan, but that whole like vocal group to the matrix thing I've been exploring a little bit recently and have had a lot of success. Um, we can talk about that more later too. And you brought up something that was kind of interesting too, routing groups to groups, which I don't think is possible on some consoles. So we should get into that more and like the, the uses of that and like how that could be anyway but yeah essentially you know when i'm building the show file is when i'm assigning groups whenever yeah. that is and and, and honestly I, I do it the same way um you know i i tend to use a kind of template if you will of a show file anytime i'm doing a similar type gig yeah and uh you know that template might include kick group snare group bass group etc 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 and if the inputs exist for that band i'll route into that group if the inputs don't exist for that band i just don't use that group you right. know what i mean yeah um, that makes things a little bit quicker. In the scenarios, I guess, where I can't do that, where it's not a, a console I have files built for, I mentally map out the groups right when I look at the input list. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'll look at the input list. It might be, you know, two kick mics, two snare mics, two bass lines, a uh, couple keys lines, couple whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I will kind of then go, okay, well, then I'm going to do this grouping. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that we can get that routing done right before we actually start doing lines. Mm-hmm. You're doing lines at line. Sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> no. Wow. No. I'm sorry. It's just like, <laughs> it's rock and roll, you know? I don't know. Someone is. Someone, someone definitely is. Someone is. <laughs> definitely. Uh, um, so, so yeah, you know, you know, my, my hope is that I get that done before we actually hear the line check. Um, because of course, you know, routing things through groups, you know, there is, one, have I done my routing correctly? Yeah. There's two, this is going to affect the sound or, you know, by putting it in a group, theoretically, I want it to affect the sound. Mm-hmm. So whatever we're hearing through this line check, I kind of want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're getting the quote unquote final sound, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you want to you hear it as it is going to be happening during the show. You don't want to be like making changes after you've kind of already sculpted something and listened to it and like processed it a little bit. So, so speaking of making changes after you've kind of heard things, <laughs> what about master buses? You uh, know, a lot of people put processing on a master bus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, sure. as you're going through a line check, are you doing that with some of this on there? Are you doing it with none of it on there? And then you're going to kind of sauce it up uh, once, you know, maybe the whole band's there and you're kind of digging in. Like, what, what's, what's your feeling there, Joe? For me, for me, it's like, you know, and, and we have to go back to our system tuning episode a little bit. And talk about you know, you know where at where at which point at which stage in it all are you like tuning the PA so to speak or like EQing the PA, and that's typically on the matrixes. So maybe you know you like 
typical process. You walk in, you play a song or you smart or something like that. And you do a little bit of work on your matrixes that way. That's not the, ma- that's not the master bus processing. You want right. to separate that. The master bus processing for me is more like, you know, that's more of a coloration thing, a vibe thing for like this band. So for me, it's, it's tough to, for me, I always find it kind of tough to call those things out when I'm listening to just line by line. So it's like, right. I'll go through line by line, treat stuff. And then once the whole band starts, then we can start digging into some master processing. Cause you know, you know, what's the main thing, you know, probably, probably compression. You know? Probably a little bit of glue, yeah. Exactly. So that's not really you're not really gonna get the full effect of what you're of what you're doing to it unless you're hearing everything because the level is just not gonna be there. You know, you your kick drum, you know, might not be touching the compressor by itself, but once the whole band that's not really a good example, I guess. Yeah, it is it, it might I was about to, I was about <laughs> to disagree with you. It's always yeah, slapping yeah. it by like right. what, three D B. Right. Well right. so so what I was about to say though, it, in, not in rebuttal, but you know, semi agreeance with what you're saying now is that if you're going to put something like a little bit of bus compression on the master, it's going to affect your drum sounds because, right, your drums are the biggest transients. They're the ones yeah. that poke through level-wise on your meters. They're probably popping right out on Depends top, Depends on right? your attack time. <laughs> oh, shush. <laughs> but, yeah, go back to that episode. Right. Um, but given that, you know, if I've just gone through my whole drum kit, uh, I always like to ask to hear the whole drum kit. And also, once I go through bass, I like to hear drums plus bass, right? Those two, to me, are very important to go through those things. Remember, there was that episode where we said that everything after that is unimportant? Yeah, yeah that's where I am mentally. Yeah. Um, but but once I can get those two players just kicking it together, that's where I might throw on master bus compression, if there's going to be any, just so I can see what it's going to do to my drum sound. Mm-hmm. Right, and totally. you know, I really just want like maybe one dB, maybe a dB and a half off the top, because I know that when the show actually hits, the drum is going to hit twice as hard. So that's yeah. going to take three off the top. True. Yeah. Um, but so you know, just in in this vein of like figuring out bus processing, it's like as you're going through this input list, you kind of need to be aware of the stuff that's uh, you know down the line. Right. Yeah. So you you can EQ your input channel, but then if you have a plan to go through a group or whatnot, you know you need to be aware of how that might affect it. And then if you have a plan to do something on a master bus, and that might affect that specific set of inputs. So in this example, you know, drums, right? They're they're definitely going to get affected by master bus. You might want to kind of kind of rough it in. I wouldn't say it needs to be dead on, but like you know maybe just rough in where that uh, threshold would be, because as you start adding other things on top of it, like you kind of want that mm-hmm. little bit of you know, the, the finishing stuff on there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say the master bus stuff is what you're going to tweak, you know, once the full band starts playing. And then once they hit that first song too, you're probably going to be checking that out just to make sure it's, it's reacting yeah, as the, the needle way pill it pins all the way to the left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, exactly. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> the, the volume is half what it should be. Yeah. I wish everyone could see the face you just made. Joe. Oh, yeah, exactly. oh no. <laughs> Exactly. That's me in front of house. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah something becomes Scottish. <laughs> oh no, no. That, sounds like uh, the guy from uh, the uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer uh, yeah. old cartoon. The Ooh. snowman. Uh, no, the um, oh, I forget. I don't know. The guy with the hat. Anyway, Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is Santa Claus. Yeah. I'm just saying, that, oh, that, yeah. that very forgettable guy. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so so we've laid out a little bit here in terms of. Um, you know when to pull these up right and you know 
as as Joe said, I threw this episode at both Joe and Brendan without giving them any advance notice of what we're talking about. Normally, when we do episodes, we've got a bit of an outline what? that like walks through. We do. <laughs> okay, Brendan clearly doesn't read the outline that walks through the points we need to hit. But He's surprised every time. Why don't we jump into where you use groups, um, like as in which inputs, and what you're trying to get out of it when you do that. Brendan, you want to hit me with that? Sure, yeah. I mean, I guess I can talk about a couple examples, but a lot of times it's for summing multi-miked instruments like the kick and the snare. Uh, that's always nice to have so that you can process both of them at the same time with compression and EQ. Mm-hmm. I like doing that. Um, another option is instruments that are all kind of like performing similar operations in the song and or in the in the set, depending on your availability too. Like sometimes I'll group like all keys and all guitars together. You know, if I'm limited on my number of groups but I want to be able to like put a compressor on those so that like, if they're both, they're all slamming at the same time, it kind of like tames them a little bit. Um, And you know, the transients on a keyboard, like if it's playing keys sounds and guitar sounds are like similar, you know, they're not exactly the same, but you know, they're filling in that space of the song in a similar way. Um, But I also like to use it a lot, especially for vocals And especially if I'm working and if I'm analog at any of these venues around here, like it's a almost necessity for me to go groups with at least vocals, because then I can do processing as much as I want on the vocal group and not have it affect monitors, which I may be running from front of house, you know? Got it. So so your input channels are less affected and then your group is kind of the effects that you're kind of, well, maybe not effects, but maybe compression or additional EQ that you're trying to push to front of house. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, I, I almost like, it's almost more groups are so useful in that sense when you're, when you're having to do monitors from front of house, like, yeah, uh, it it just is a game changer to be able to use them. So I almost find them more important in the analog world than in digital. You know, I, I would agree a million percent, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're uh, you're kind of you're forced to work with your limitations, and and that's that's kind of the, a way of getting around it in the analog world. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, going back to what you were saying about doing monitors from front of house, doing monitors from front of house on analog, where you can't just like double patch every input, yeah. you know, or whatever inputs. What you, you don't want. have a hundred Y cables, exactly, or like a whole split to the second half of the console or something like that, which I have seen at venues, and that's kind of amazing. That it, I'm impressed that they bought that, but didn't just buy a cheap digital desk. Yeah, that is. I think, <laughs> actually, I think what it was, it was, it was, um, oh man, this was somewhere in the Northwest somewhere years ago, but it was two consoles just at front of house and you, and you up and they had them on the split and the same person operated both. They're of them. like, we're not going to pay another engineer. Absolutely. That's what that is. Yeah. It would have been even funny if it was two separate operators right next to each other at front of house. That was Yoshi San Francisco. That's how that was set up. Oh yeah. Monitors in front of house set up next you know side by that side that was a space issue though right it's because they couldn't they couldn't stick it by the side of the stage or something I like mean, that or that was the argument because those seats were very expensive i don't know what the i don't know what the reasoning behind it was but 
it, it was kind of cool because you, it wasn't as lonely. Like yeah. you were there with the homie. <laughs> That's what like, I was going to say. The, in the <laughs> booth talking out. shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you had someone to talk shit with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just laughing, you know? Yeah. Uh, bad part was there was no cue. So like right. you, you were just doing Guessing. monitors with headphones cool. on micro wedges. From wedges, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, back, back on topic. Back on topic. Analog. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that really helps you there, right, is that... Um, on any of the larger shows, you've got faders spread out across, you know, seven, eight feet wide, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you start doing the grouping, you get the faders back in a space where, you know, your eight fingers and two thumbs can actually reach them. <laughs> you know, if you mix it with your thumbs, that is. Um, you it is like this? Yeah. What you don't you don't you don't thumb it up and down? I do a little of that. You like the precision mix? Oh, the, the, oh my god! I wish people could see this because then it would make more sense. But yeah. We gotta you gotta get the YouTube it. going just so they can get the finger. We, we need a thumb extender so that it's the same length as your fingers. That way, you got you got five right in the same area. You know. You know, there's a reason that I put the vocal under my middle finger because it's always the highest. Wow. <laughs> wow. You think I'm kidding too? I like. <laughs> it's not on purpose. It's just happened. Because <laughs> my pinky, I can't put my vocal under the pinky. It would be too quiet all the time. Yeah, you, you, you'd be like Doctor Eviling the. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, that's like om- almost like awkwardly real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Me saying that. <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. So, but yeah, in, in, in that instance, the idea of grouping is to get it all kind of, uh, you know, under your fingers or whatever. And also in analog world, like you usually don't have, um, you know, 160 compressors available to you. You no. usually only have a handful, right? So you start using the groups to kind of make sure you get all that compression sorted out mm-hmm. and basically able to compress more things with fewer compressors. What were you about right. to say, Joe? Right. Or, or like, um, you know, or just lack of insert points, you know, depending if there's not like a patch bay and you're just doing, you know, each unit, you know, you're going to the back of the console and like patching in each insert. Say you wanted to put a gate and a compressor on a kick drum. It's like, well, you can't really, you can't, you know, it's just not as easy unless you get go in the back of the unit where who knows right, where the rack is from one to the other and all that mess. E- yeah. Exactly. So you just gate the channel and then you compress the group and route it to the group, and that's that's your way of getting around it that way. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, l- a little bit offhand, um, I've got I've got a couple shows coming up that I got to do uh, next week, and um, oh. I have an I have a, I have a little insert rack that I want to bring with me, and then I realized that most digital consoles don't have a lot of insert IO. Mm-hmm. So my it's, insert rack is 16 channels. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to get 16 channels of IO on half of these digital desks that we're hitting, Yeah, which yeah. is unfortunate. Yeah, totally. Anyways, but that's because, you know, obviously in digital world, you, uh, you just don't need it in the same way. So, okay, let's get back to what are the first things you guys put into groups? I think, I think we all kind of have the, the, the same first couple things. Joe, hit me. Well, I mean, honestly, uh, honestly, the first thing, first and foremost, just to get it out of the way, it's kind of at the end. It's the, it's like the vocal effects, vocal effects, the effects you put into a group. Yeah. So not the vocal itself, but the effects. Yeah. Before, especially like if we're thinking like bare bones, like analog and stuff like that, it's like the vocal effects are going, maybe a VCA, but ideally a group because ideally you know there'll be some sort of like graph or something on it too right you know? mm. 
So and 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 you know, obviously, you just you just want the mute capability of just being able to like hit the mute on all the vocal effects in, in between songs. If you don't do that, if you don't mute the effects between songs, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But Joe, what if I, I have what if I have my TC Helicon in line with my vocal and I just I can't press the butt bypass fast. I can't. There's a button Fair for enough. it, but I can't touch it. My foot then. And that's on Joe. the artist, and the artist should not talk to me. Or, or <laughs> Brendan, you're done. You're done. You're okay, done. okay. You're not, we're do, yeah. We're, we're completely done. digressing here, but okay. I don't like when a vocal goes completely dry. I think it sounds awkward, right? I think this is like it's like kind of a DI effect out of it, right? So what I used to do was take that vocal effects VCA and bring it down to like minus thirty, so there was still a tiny bit, right? Yeah. But I've kind of changed that now. And now I have like a vocal room reverb that is not in that VCA. So I can pull that VCA all the way down. And there's still this tiny bit of room reverb that just makes it feel like a little bit more natural. We're done here. Yeah. All right. All right. This is Joe's <laughs> podcast now. See you guys. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan got fired. I got fired. Go ahead, Joe. You've got this whole episode. So, uh, I know stuff. <laughs> All right, we we totally digress. Go, okay, go, going so. back to the the effects on the group though that Joe was talking about, like so the the main your main goal with that is to be able to EQ all the effects at once. Is that right? Yeah, or? yeah. I you know depending on what's going on, but I just I find myself mixing these like indie bands where there's a ton of effects on the voice, right, and this right, and that, right. and like, and you just have to get it out of the way. The real and, vocal. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes, and you know, and feedback and stuff like that. And sometimes you just need like that fast, just quick, just all of it. You know, just all of it EQ. Mm. Where just, you know, or, or sometimes it gets real mucky in the bottom end, and it's clouding up some some stuff in the low mid or something like that. And mm -hmm. instead of going to you know four or five different effects returns, you know, just dump it. Yeah, out of all, dude, I, I get it. it. Makes a lot. Not of sense. necessarily ideal all the time, you know. If but I'm just saying, if you don't have time to like sit there and solo each return and like you know go through them, so well, well, on the well, time. Let's talk about the function of the group, right? The function of the group effectively is to be able to process everything that's in it with one go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And and you know you're talking about you know five six effects returns. If you wanted to do kind of the same general move to all of them, the group. Makes sense, right? Yeah. You, you do it in one place. It's cleaner. It's simpler. And, so, and especially on digital consoles. I mean, like I find that the low <laughs> mid buildup on effects is usually huge. Pretty, That's the yeah, thing. Pretty yeah. Yeah. Get rid yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the first thing I group is kick in and out, right? And I pretty much mm. always have an in and out, right? And it's exactly the same reason you just laid out there, Joe. It's because I want to be able to process them both as yeah. effectively one input, right? Yeah. And where it gets even weirder for me is low frequency sources, so kicks, bass, that kind of stuff. The phase relationship between multiple inputs really affect one another, like really, really affect one another, right? Yeah. I mean, you can hear that if you take a, a kick in and kick out and, you know, you flip polarity completely changes really the low end. The upper half doesn't change that much, but the low end completely changes, right? Yeah. Um, so given that, if you take a kick in and put like a high pass on it and like a pretty harsh EQ in the low end, EQs like create phase wrap and they create, you know, they, they add time coherent or coherence not um time components to to what they're doing right so they Absolutely. really mess with the phase yeah. so if you take a kick in eq it a bunch and then take a kick out and eq it a bunch you've kind of messed with the phase on both of those quite a bit right and mm -hmm. they may sound good together 
But then if you take the EQ in one of them and tweak it a bit, you actually change the phase relationship between the two as well as changing just the EQ relationship, right? What, I got a question. What do you, by a, if you EQ it a bunch, do you mean like multiple bands or do you mean just like lots of movement in one single a band? A large amount of change in a single band gotcha. will create a, a pretty pretty hefty phase shift. Gotcha. Uh, Brendan, I feel like you and I did this like some years ago. We opened up a fab filter yeah. on like a kick drum and I was like, yo, throw a high pass on there. And then you recorded it back into a channel and it looked like it was completely flip polarity. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's the EQ doing basically a phase wrap, you know, like such a phase shift that it looks like it's flip polarity. Mm-hmm. So with things like kick in and out, I would, you know, do, I mean, this is kind of a lie, but in theory, in theory, I would do lighter <laughs> EQ moves on the in and out mic itself, it's then route them to a group, and then on the group, do the really heavy-handed stuff. Because yeah. then, the phase relationship between the in and the out mic stay the same, and then you're just kind of doing some sort of phase rappy crap or whatever it may be across the whole thing. Uh, does that make sense? Totally, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I say it's a lie because if you look at my kick EQs, it's like minus 14 <laughs> yeah, in the middle, say, minus 18. Yeah. I was going like to say, you, you've given me some of your show files, and I, I, I see what you're doing over there. Big old smiley face. Dude, I, c- c- go, sorry, go, go ahead, ahead, Joe. I was going to say compression, too, you know, like yeah. compressing two sources of the same, you know, having one compressor on both the kick in and out, you know, it's just like you can, you can really achieve that, like, just tight fucking punch as opposed I, to, like, yeah. dialing different time settings on each of them i I, I agree a million percent man especially because you know the the way the compressor attacks the instrument is a lot of how the compressor tone kind of comes through right like like whether it is punchy or not and if you've got a kick in and a kick out mics that are about i don't know eight inches ten inches apart which means there's actually a time delay between when the sound hits the kick in and then eventually hits the kick out right and if you've got similar-ish compression settings on each of those individual channels, they're actually going to kind of attack at slightly different times. Right, right. Um, your, your transient might turn out to be two transients, like, you know, if it's that, right. if it's that fucked, you know? I mean, I don't think it'll be that bad, but, you know, but I, I get theory, what you're saying. You know what yeah, I mean? That's the yeah. theory, totally, totally. But then if you put that compressor on the group instead, it's one compressor slapping it one time, and, yeah. you know, to me, it's punchier that way. So you know, slapping it, slapping it. Yeah, yeah. I guess they can't see the hand movement. Can the you hear the air, dude? Yeah. yeah, feels like a ninja movie. Here, um, here's a thought for like console designers and stuff like that. Why not? Be don't able, tell me that anymore. <laughs> be able to grab like your kick in and out channels and just be like sum, and like it becomes one fader on the digital desk. group. But I don't want to burn a group, you know? I don't want to burn the group. <laughs> On modern digital consoles, it's not like a thing. You're good. You know, there's plenty. Yeah, you say burn a group, but like you can do 96, 128, okay, 256 well, groups on a lot of well, these desks. <laughs> but, but, but hold on. But now going back to the other thing, and, and the other thing that we touched on is the group to group, because that's not possible everywhere. Yeah. I think right. the only place you can do that is what? And, Digico and right that's what it, no, and, and you have a desk. Yeah? yeah. On the, and that's 6L you can? Group yep. to group now. Yes, huh. you can. Well, that's going to delay compensation. Ah. On, the, on the Yamaha consoles, you can send every individual channel straight to the matrices. That's that's yeah. what you that's that you can do that on any on any desk, really. Uh, yeah, probably on uh, most m- desks. most of them. Yeah, really. Most oh. of them, you can take an input straight to the matrix, and there's like a lot of funny purposes for that. Things like talkbacks or iPods or whatever things that need to go straight to an output. Dude, again, guest consoles. That that um that method with the vocal i mean okay you i'll, I'll probably adjust it let's just talk about it so joe why don't you tell me what blew your mind 
so you you had brought this up before. I was like, you know, I got this this artist, and he sings real quiet, and I just have a hard time getting him over the band a lot of the times. And you know, you're doing so much shit, so much EQ here and there, and like whatever. I mean, this sounds like a nightmare scenario, you know, like and a nightmare show file. But you know, things things happen, and things get and things get there, you know. So yeah. I, I would have a hard time always getting the vocal to like you know to 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 sit on top and like something that has really helped is this new method of like routing the whole band through the left right the way you normally would but taking the vocal and bypassing the left right and getting it straight to the matrix and then processing the left right with a little bit of compression or a little bit of eq or this and that that's completely independent of the vocal and the vocal just fucking just rages on top of it all you know and it's just great and you could say oh why not just do a band group or this or that and going back to not being able to route groups to groups you know it's like well then i can't do a drum group and a bass group and i might want to you know and then i lose all my capability of doing stuff there that's always what like deterred me in the past right but i guess I, i'll probably shift it over to kind of that method just for the ease of setting up matrices, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's six one way, half a dozen the other, really. But it's like it's like for this particular show I'm talking about, it's like really made a huge difference. That combined with a couple other things. But yeah, I can hear the vocals now. It's great. Yeah, so, so thank you. So, I owe yeah. you a hundred bucks. <laughs> I, I will. I will take it. <laughs> so does everyone but, but, listening but, to this owe Ryan a hundred bucks for that tip? Is that how much it's worth? I'm, I'm totally okay with that. It's, Maybe we'll actually make some money off a podcast. Yeah. That'd be amazing. There you go. Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. No, it it rocks. Uh, but but the gist of the trick there really is that your band hits. You know, in, in in the context of what Joe is speaking of, and and how I had built it previously, is your band hits your left right the same way you'd normally do a mix, right? And on that left right, you might have a master bus compressor that is like you know tapping it a little bit, you know that glue or whatever, just to kind of pull it together. But since your vocal never hits that, your vocal is never pulled down by when the band starts going ham. When the band starts like really slamming and hitting hard, your vocal doesn't get pushed down because your vocal's not routed that same bus, right? Exactly. So, so then the next step is the buses that feed your PA, right? And your PA is then fed by the left, right, which is your band bus. And then your PA is also fed by a vocal bus, right? Yeah. And that vocal bus has your lead vocal. And I, I also usually put all my vocal effects into it and all that kind of stuff, right? Now, that means my PA's got band plus vocal. If band starts going nuts, the band's master bus compressor starts pulling them down, but it never pulls down my vocal. My vocal's still going good. And then the additional bonuses are your front fill. You can do band with vocal at plus three as a separate mix. For right. my subs, I can do band only, no vocal. Yeah. For, I don't know, other things, that's, you can kind of do this kind of custom-tailored mix. That's the other thing that I forgot to mention, is, is getting the vocal in everything else and not the subs. Because right. if, you're, if you route it through your left-right, it's get, you know, and your subs are going from your left-right, it's, it's, it, it's going to be routed there. So it, so it gives you that routing option without having to like put subs on an aux or whatever. Right, right. And then another nice bonus is that if you're recording your show every night, you can also record instrumental, vocal-only, and the full mix, yeah. as well as all inputs. And that's come super handy uh, for me a bunch of times, because, like, you know, right after a gig, you know, there was some TV channel that was there filming the first three songs or something, and right after the gig, they're like, hey, can we have a board mix of it? And I'm like, yes, you can, but in the show itself, the vocal was really hot because it was a bunch of kids screaming, 
but in the mix you guys are going to have, I can take my band bus and take my vocal down one and a half, you know, whatever, and then just hit print. And I can just print it straight to them right away. And like, I know the mix works. It's just the vocal is brought back to a normal level. Yeah. Yeah. So good options. You got good options. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the vocal grouping busing trick thing. And you know what? It, I, I think it actually is entirely relevant to grouping and busing and actually relevant to line check and all that stuff too. So, you know, if you don't want to do it with mains and a, and a, and a, and a matrix and all that, you can do it as Joe kind of mentioned, you can do it with a band bus and a vocal bus. So everything you have that is not vocal or I would say not lead vocal, because my background vocals also go into what I would call the band bus. Same. All of those things would route into a band bus. And that band bus, you know, you could put some bus compression on, whatever, to sauce up the band. And then you can take all your vocals, plus all your vocal effects, route them to a vocal bus. And then both of those, it's, you it's can sum at your mains. It's kind of like how the lead singer gets but, their you know, own the, bus, or, you know, between gigs, and then the rest of the band and crew just <laughs> gets to share the sweaty bus. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so is that why there's a band bus, a crew bus, and a vocal bus? And a, an artist wow. bus? I just did my first tour where there was a separate band and crew bus, and it was... We, we just got paralleled. Yeah. Interesting, y'all, you've never done that before. <laughs> no, no, first time. It's crazy. What was different about it? I never saw the band. I, I'm used to, like, interacting with the band, and I would see the band for maybe, you know, yeah, like two hours check. a day. Yeah. Sound, sound check, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. man. Hi, guys. Nice to see you. I'm not the biggest fan of that because, like, you, you kind of miss out on a lot of the conversations that happen after a show or, or like, in the morning. Like, of just like, yeah. hey, there's this little thing that we need to tweak. Because, yeah. honestly, by the next morning, I've forgotten that there was a thing we needed to tweak, you know? Yeah. Um, Are they talking about me on the band bus? Oh, no. Although, I will say, usually when that happens, I find that the crew bus often either turns incredibly mellow or incredibly turned up. It's one or the other. And, there's and always- nothing in between. Yeah. yeah, there's always like, and there's always like a some sort of a pathway between, you know, like some people are going on the other bus and partying. Yes, know? yeah, it's kind of fun. A couple a couple of years ago, I had a tour where it was um, artist bus, band bus, crew bus, and then like kind of ancillary crew, which is like basically all this stuff that's like um, kind of locally rented, if you will. So like the lighting team from the from the lighting company, the audio team from the audio company, they were also on another bus. So it was the, ven- the vendor bus. Buses. Yeah. Kinda, kinda. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember our artist got super bummed out that like, we never came to hang out on her bus. Like she actually got upset about it. So she'd invite us over and it would be like very quiet wine nights. And like, this and, like the weird. whole crew was like, this is not how we like to party. <laughs> so like I, I'd hang out and have like a glass of wine and yeah. chill, but like, it also feels like you're hanging out with your boss, you know? So it's like, yeah. you can't really let like, Oh, whatever. Like, oh, right <laughs> like, yes. Very yes. funny. Yeah. Witchy Tonight's show, tonight's show was great. You sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're just saying good things all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, I, I, yeah, I feel sorry, like, you know, we, we digressed a lot there. on this episode. No, 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 but, but we're do busing. you think there's any additional points that we need to kind of, like, pull in in terms of, like, you know, the idea of busing while you're doing your line check? Because I think it's relevant to know that this is a thing that you could or should do. Yeah, yeah, totally. If I guess the one thing I'll say, just if you're if you're just starting out and you're kind of, like, wrapping your head around the routing of everything, just take your time and and because it's happened to me it it still happens to me today you pull up a fader and you're like 
there's nothing there. What the fuck's going on? It's like something got routed wrong, you know? Uh, something we failed to mention, like, from, you know, if you route something to a group, it doesn't just automatically go mm. to your speakers. You have to send it there, whether it's through the left, right, or through the matrix or something like that. So just start to, you know, be aware of the routing of it all and point A to point B yeah. and just make sure it's getting to your yeah. speakers, you know, that's, that's a great point, man. And, and, and be, and be careful, you know, you pull up that fader and it's not there. Uh, don't like push the fader up further and then start clicking around routing options. Like, no, like pull the fader down, explore your routing, try it again, pull it up <laughs> gently. You know what I'm saying? Don't blow people's heads off. We're not trying to injure the, people. The here. other thing to remember is that if you add a group in there, you have another place you can mute it on the way. All right. So True. just make sure your groups are unmuted, that kind of stuff, you know, and I, I, if I, if I look back at myself a long time ago and, and how I think I approached this, then I'm pretty sure I put processing on the group bus before I even routed stuff to it. And that is definitely not the way to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I did that at some point. Right. Yeah. But like now, if I want to go through a group, there's absolutely nothing on the group bus. And the first thing I'm doing is making sure the routing's right. So I might take kick in and out, route it to group one, take it out of left, right, take group one, route it to left, right. Am I hearing the kick drum? Yeah. And then if I've got that, that's like, cool, okay. check. Now I can start doing things there as opposed to like, there's already a compressor there. There's already some heavy EQ there. There's already like some subharmonic synthy stuff, you know, like Damn. remove all of those extra variables. Start with just, does it get there? Does it still get to left, right? It should theoretically sound the same that, as it did before. That's, Right. That, well, that is right. one thing like on analog tasks. When you route it to your groups, make sure it sounds the same. And ma <laughs> make sure it's coming, if it's a stereo group, right. make sure it's coming out of both sides the same as well. Because I can't tell you yeah. how many times I've gone to route it to a stereo group and like one side is like lower than the other. One side is super crunchy and noisy and like, yeah, it's just, yeah. You know, it's, it's so funny because... Uh, I remember when everyone's switching over to digital desks, right? A lot of people were like, well, on analog, at least it works. Digital, it just crashes. And I'm like, on analog, I don't know what works because aux six might be really fucked up and aux two might be perfect. Aux five might be like 10 dB louder on the left side. Yeah. And I can't know that until I try it. And halfway through the show, it might get fucked up. Yeah. At least on the digital desk, it either yeah. works or it doesn't. Yeah, do. it's it's all or none. It's a hundred percent, zero percent. Exactly. <laughs> There's no uneven oxen. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that used to piss people off a lot when I'd tell them that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I, I think that kind of covers mm -hmm. groups in a pretty reasonable way. But before we go, I do want to mention that I just did a gig over the weekend. Oh. And I met a listener of the show, and the dude oh. was walking by while I was talking with my toy manager, and he goes, I recognize your voice, because obviously, like, we're all wearing masks, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you're, you're Brian John. I was like, y yes, this is weird. My toy manager was super weirded out, super, super weirded out that, like, somehow random person walking by recognizes me yeah. and not the artist. Right. <laughs> Who's also they're not, they're standing not, they're, there. Yeah, they're not going to the artist going, who, you know. Right, right. They're coming to you. Anyways, it, it was, what it was, what they it was awesome. Um, the dude who's just a, a fan of the podcast, he's, you know, listened to all the episodes or whatever. But the, the other cool thing that he told me that, like, totally blew my mind was that all the staff of the venue has listened through Live Sound Bootcamp all of season one as kind of like an educational primer to working at the venue. That is the coolest shit I've ever heard. 
that's 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 yeah. one of the more flattering things that I've heard coming from this whole podcast thing. Like again, you know, we're just a couple of dummies. I mean, sure, maybe we've been doing it for some of the longer, a little bit longer than some people listening here. But like, that's just so flattering that uh, someone is is actually listening and kind of like uh, to the to the Getting point value. that we made it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So th- thanks so much. Do you, I mean, do you have? Can you can you say a name? Can you? Say a name or a venue or something like that. Or are you gonna? Are you Edit. gonna say no? Okay, no. All right, no worries. All right, we won't. We won't. You, you can't see the face I'm making, but it's because yeah, yeah. I can't remember his whole name. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> and now I look like an now, asshole. Now Thanks, he knows. Joe. Yeah, now he knows. And, now and he knows next time I can't remember back his name there. right now. Yeah. 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 No, that that was uh, the Fillmore in North Carolina, Charlotte. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. But it was it was it was a really cool experience. Just the fact that that yeah. like even happened. So cool. You know. Yeah, that rocks. That rocks. So shout out to the Fillmore in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. I haven't been there personally, but hopefully, uh, I wonder if they'll recognize my voice if I roll through. I would think so. You like? I think I actually think the three of us have pretty distinctive <laughs> I think voices. You, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially since I'm using a U47 God fat damn, right now with my vocal mic. These what fucking damn. flexes. Yes. Shut the fuck up. A real up. one? What the hell, Ryan? I don't know, dude. What is going on? Do you, I don't know. Do you, do you remember the mic I had last is week that a real or whatever? One? Uh, no, it is a replica, what, but it's what? it's, it's, oh, it's a, a United Forty Seven Fed, and um, this wow. yeah. So th- uh-huh. this this past God. week, I've been trying out a bunch of microphones because I've got these gigs coming up next week, and it's not a big band. It's just a band I've worked for for so fucking long. It's this yeah. band Envy on the Coast. I've done like yeah. I don't know the past fifteen years of their shows. So this is this is funny both to me and and my wife, right? I can do giant shows for Jesse J and like giant shows for other people. And I'm like, yeah, cool. We'll be fine. But then I go and do these envy on the coast gigs and I'm so fucking nervous about them. And it's cause I care so much about them being really good. Yeah. And they're also always in more challenging environments. Whereas the Jess gig, it's like, cool. I've got a super dialed in file. Like I know we're going to have some rehearsal time. It's going to be great. You get a hundred techs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah, You got an army of crew to kind of support you. And it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. People to blame. These ones, it's like, it's a rock band playing in like maybe a thousand cap, maybe at most 2000 cap space. And this time we're not even carrying consoles. Because oh, wow. I don't have the budget for it, right? So I've got I got a Pro Nine one day, I've got oh, an SD Ten another God. day, and I got a Profile another day. All right, they well, are completely different desks, all three of them. Two of those shows will be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the Pro Nine has got a V Series D and B rig, so the the rig is going to be fucking crushing. So as long so as are I can you get bringing your work together, gloves on this be, tour too to help unload sure. the van? Yeah. No shit. Wow. Dude, I brought wow. my work this past weekend. It was amazing. Wow. I, like, I actually forgot what it was. Calluses like are just no, like bleeding no, like on your fingers. <laughs> what calluses? Yeah. What are those? Calluses. Those are long gone. No, no but I've been, I've been trying out some crazy microphones. So I got some of the Earthworks DM20s, those Tom microphones. Oh, yeah. They are unquestionably the best Tom microphones I've ever heard. I probably shouldn't say that out loud because like Tony at SE fucking sorts me out with the best shit. Uh, the people at Heil microphones sort me out with the best shit. Earthworks gives me nothing, but that microphone is amazing. That that rocks. Also, also, yeah. Sorry to back up there. Need to need to do a plug here. They haven't even paid us, but that SEV seven oh. on a vocal is everyone's. Every tour that like has come through venues I work at like has these, and we've been hearing about them and talking about them for like I guess years now. I just got the capsule. I just no, got one. Out. I'm doing. 
dude it's 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 everything it's all true it's all true the it, the biggest qual the the two the two qualities that i'll say that are going to be the most useful outside of the directionality of it and like feedback rejection are the lack of proximity effect like yeah. that you would get on a 57 yep. and the lack of sibling s's and just how smooth it is across the spectrum that shit that's that's some 2021 like new technology shit that shit's going to replace the 58s like I, I really hope so. I really hope so. That is my vocal mic on pretty much everything now, too. I have, uh, I don't know, four or five of them here as well. So that's what I'm using next week. Dude, it, it rocks. That yeah. with, with the little Matrix trick, you you like you might Whoa. actually be able to hear vocals at the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's got a nice tight pickup pattern, so it's not you know picking up crazy amounts of bleed. And even the stuff that's off axis, it doesn't sound terrible. Yeah. You know, you know, that was a conversation. You know what? This is totally digressing in this episode, but you know what? That was a conversation I had over the weekend, right? Um, we were talking about things like a V7 as compared to like a 58, right? And I said a couple things that another dude there completely disagreed with, but I think is just a, a misconstrued uh, wording. Mm -hmm. But basically, I said the difference between really good microphones and bad microphones mm -hmm. is the off-axis pickup. And I don't mean level of rejection, but like the frequency response off axis, uh -huh. right? So if I take a microphone and I point it at a vocal and it sounds great in front of it, right? Where the singer's singing into it, but everything off axis has like a heap of 1K and like nothing else and like a bunch of other weird stuff, then all the off axis mm -hmm. stuff coming into it sounds terrible, right? Yeah. Whereas right. if the frequency response off axis is actually pretty flat, just quieter, then all the off-axis bleed sounds okay. And right. it makes your whole stage sound better. It makes a massive, massive difference. And that's a problem I have with like some of the quote-unquote standard microphones in the industry is that the off-axis response is like mm -hmm. terrible. So it's like very like peaky. Mm -hmm. um, Harsh. Whereas, whereas some of the newer stuff and, and quote-unquote better, uh, you know, put it in quotes because I think it's better. Uh, I think off-axis, it's quieter, but sounds even. So it still sounds like the instrument or still sounds like whatever it actually is. It just sounds right. quieter. I think it makes rubier. a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I never, I never uh, thought of it like that. And that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, so that, that's why I have this insane mic here and it's going to be my bass microphone for that right. tour, which is right. insane. Why, why would I do this? <laughs> God. <laughs> I bring way too nice stuff for uh, things that it, it just doesn't make sense. Can you get a beer port on it? Yeah. All right. Um, that yeah. was our kind of off the cuff episode on grouping. Yeah, I'll I'll lead us Brandon, out. Grouping. You have something to say? Uh, thank you everyone for listening again, yeah. and we really appreciate it. You can find us online on our Facebook group, and you can email us at feedback at livesoundbootcamp.com. If you want us to come do a seminar at your venue for your venue staff. <laughs> <laughs> or just a Ryan John solo thing. I mean, but honestly, we'd all come and hang out. I think yeah. it'd be so much fun Let if we know. actually did that. It'd be cool. And bye. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs> Thanks again to our sponsor, Rational Acoustics. Visit www.rationalacoustics.com for information on sales, training, and all things system measurement.